Hello, everyone. I'm Sean Dubrovac from Avrio Institute. And I'm Ross Rubin at Reticle Research. Welcome back to another episode of Techspansive, where uh, we've had a couple weeks off, so we're now getting back into it. We've had uh, some travel together with Fourth of July holiday in the U.S. kind of kept us both uh, away, and now we're back in going to dive into a few stories on um, what big tech is doing. It seems like a lot of the headlines this week are dominated by Facebook, Google, Apple, and Amazon. So we thought we'd look at some of those storylines as they develop. First is that uh, Facebook recently announced they're starting to take a cut of fan subscriptions starting in 2020. So th- this to me seems a bit like a cross uh, between a, a YouTube monetization model and a Patreon uh, monetization model, which uh, we could talk a little bit more about in a moment because fewer people are probably familiar with that. But but certainly for some time we have seen Facebook wanting to make a play to become more of that epicenter of burgeoning video talent and try to either woo creators away from YouTube or try to generate their own cadre of uh, video personalities. And they certainly have the scale for it. They have the audience for it. And uh, it, it seems that YouTube just kind of got established there. Uh, Sean, you've talked a lot about how Twitch is making some moves to rival uh, YouTube in the past, and clearly Facebook uh, wants in on this, and they haven't made much headway up till now. So this is a way to more directly incentivize these video content creators, often generically called YouTubers, uh, to, uh, to 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 webcast or create video uh, content on their platform. Now, uh, I, m- I mentioned Patreon. Patreon is a relatively uh, small site. And what they do is if you like a content creator uh, for whatever they do, maybe they have a podcast, maybe they do a video site, maybe they have some kind of magazine or blog, it's, it's really media agnostic. Uh, the creator can create a Patreon page and say, hey, if you give me a certain amount of money per month, you will get some extra benefits such as exclusive content or perhaps earlier access to content. Uh, And it's been a relatively fringe uh, kind of offering uh, among various uh, content creators difficult business to make work, not a lot of margin. Uh, But Facebook may feel that at their scale, uh, they can have a lot more success with it. And of course, they have very little to lose uh, if if it doesn't pan out, whereas for Patreon, that's essentially their whole business. So, so that's the the bet that they're making right now, bringing in elements of an extremely successful monetization model in terms of YouTube, uh, and one that has struggled somewhat uh, with uh, with Patreon. So, Facebook first introduced this in in 2018, and when they were initially testing it, they didn't charge the users uh, anything. Now it looks like they're inclined to uh, take some share of 30%, uh, either the full 30% or some share, while the uh, 
the um, talent, if you will, the the uh, YouTubers, for lack of a better term, keep 30%. And, and that seems to be the number that tech companies love to uh, to anchor around, probably going back to the, the days of the, the you know, early days of the Apple store where, uh, where Apple took 30% and left 70% for the users. A lot of other tech platforms have gravitated towards that. Uh, Patreon, uh, you know, as an example, only keeps 5% of subscriptions. So it's, it is a different business model. I think one of the things that also makes Patreon different, which might, you know, mean one of the reasons why it's, it's uh, struggled in certain areas is because it's often secondary to where users are consuming the content. Mm-hmm. Patreon was was uh, has been popular among podcasts, uh, but often you're consuming the podcast in a different uh, on, on a different platform. So presumably here with with Facebook, you're you're subscribing to the content, you're consuming the content in that platform. All of it's happening in the same place, so they might have a, a bit more success there. Um, and, and I think there's, a, you know, a lot of forces at play here, all, all of the tech companies, and we often focus on the, you know, the big, uh, four or five out there are looking at how to leverage their platforms to, uh, to drive revenue in a world where the user base isn't necessarily growing at the rate that it once was. So when the user base was growing and advertising was growing as well uh, there was a, a twofold uh, forces that were at play there you were getting a larger base at the same time you were driving uh, revenue on top of that so the platforms benefited from from both of those forces working in tandem um, obviously advertising is still very important to many of these platforms but you're seeing the user bases uh, and in some cases even shrink and in other cases not grow quite as rapidly. So they're looking to monetize it in, in different ways. And this is uh, something I think you'll continue to see Facebook explore uh, along with, along with the others, Google, Apple, Amazon. Um, they're looking to, to leverage their platform. And, and it's ironic because our, our, you know, our, our other article we want to talk about uh, today was the upcoming a congressional antitrust hearing that will be next week where Facebook, Google, Apple, and Amazon will, will were called to testify. So, uh, you know, here you've got the, the essence of some of the dynamics that are at play there, leveraging their strength, leveraging their, their platform to extract rents from their users. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point that as these platforms mature, more of the growth, as, as we see in many different kinds of maturing uh, market sectors, has to come from cannibalization of, of the other competitors, You know, just as we essentially see uh, every quarter as the major U.S. carriers talk about their net subscriber gains and losses. And, you know, of course, uh, those are almost all coming at, at the expense of each other. But one thing I really find interesting, and this plays on some of the discussions we've had in the past, is the multiple levels at which we're seeing this aggressiveness. So there's a lot of attention focused on the highest 
quality content uh, with Netflix investing billions, with Amazon investing billions, with Apple now investing billions in their TV plus uh, initiative um, and some companies scaling back their investments like like Google with uh, with YouTube. So there's this top tier, right? And then there's this tier of trying to, we've seen it a lot with, with the podcast. You know, we've talked a lot on this podcast about how Spotify uh, has gotten a lot more aggressive in terms of its pursuit of podcasts. And then there are uh, startups like Luminary that are essentially trying to take audio programming from sources that, you know, like for Trevor Noah, it may be his side gig, right? But he's a, he's a well-known personality uh, who can drive audiences and, and try to turn this into more premium, uh, more premium and exclusive experience. And then you've got things like this Facebook initiative where it's really targeting kind of the unknowns and trying to build these micro audiences to drive um you know, some some kind of fan base. I think it's very consistent with the post-privacy uh, aware Facebook, if you will, where they're trying to focus on more intimate uh, experiences. And I'd say the other thing that this uh, ties into, not to get too far down this rabbit hole, because it certainly is one, uh, is their uh, Libra cryptocurrency, which, um, you know, the news of which and the backlash against which has really been um, dribbling out over the past few weeks. But essentially, one of the main goals of uh, this cryptocurrency, many cryptocurrencies, is to uh, find a way to enable payment for particularly uh, a lot of people in developing economies that this is sometimes called the unbanked, right? People who, who do not have bank accounts uh, and provide a way for people to share their knowledge and insights or entertainment uh, experiences and find some way to get compensated uh, for that. So, uh, so I, I find these two initiatives uh, very much uh, connected and, uh, and, and a good example of Facebook uh, becoming far more transactionally oriented. I, it's clear that Facebook is becoming far more transactionally motivated and, and focused. And to me, it looks like you know, what you have in China as WeChat. That's what Facebook aspires to be is a, a transaction platform. So not mm -hmm. a communications platform, but a transactions platform where you book things, pay for things, interact with uh, in, individuals, communicate. I mean, there's always been a strong sure. focus on messenger. And so uh, you're able to do that. And if you're receiving payments and making payments then yeah uh, you know a, a faux currency like libra makes a lot of sense in that environment where you're just moving transactions across different uh, different uh, you know things that you need to to buy or things that you're paid for in return and um so i i, I think while there is probably a market that they're looking at for the unbanked i think they're also strongly targeting the people who are uh, disinclined to to deal with a bank or or you know are content to just um pay with um 
peer-to-peer type payment platform. So obviously they benefit from the popularity of platforms like Venmo or Cash or some of these others where you can just make, you know, make payments. Maybe it's tied to a bank in the background, but, uh, but ultimately you're able to use it to facilitate all these transactions that you want to, to make. So I think if Facebook could have its way, it would look a lot like WeChat does in China, where it houses a tremendous number of, of daily transactions and is really fully integrated in uh, uh, the, the daily activities from com- communicating to making payments. Do you, do you have any sense of kind of how WeChat came to be this omni-platform? Were they just early to explore all these avenues or were there established competitors or up and you know competitors that that were coming up at the same time they were that they you know had to um beat in terms of competition you know just just like we see in china with the app stores you know there's baidu and there's tencent and you know all all these different guys Was, was it that way with many of these services or were they just you know super fast to gain critical mass and then they started uh, piling on as as quickly as they could. Yeah, well, I mean, WeChat definitely started as a communications platform. Uh, what's unique to China, of course, is that it isn't an openly competitive marketplace. Mm-hmm. So not anybody can just in- enter the market. It's not a contestable right. market. No, in, in terms of American companies, I, I understand, or you know, yeah, or, Chinese or, companies, but but domestically, I meant you know, other well, Chinese even companies. even other Chinese companies, you know, you um have to jump through hoops. So I think some of that benefited WeChat and gave them ample time to gain critical mass. And, and they started adding, you know, adding uh, things within the app. And so it's where people go to uh, pay their rent, to rent a scooter, to hail a car. Uh, They're doing it all within the the WeChat uh, platform. Um, I, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I, I would just say, I mean, it, it is kind of a, a table turning, you know, as we talk uh, so much in the news these days about intellectual property and joint venture requirements, um, you know, in the uh, ongoing uh discussions between the US and China for a an American company to try to model uh, after a, a Chinese company, which of course modeled elements of what it does after you know uh, non-chinese companies but but the reason I bring it up is because I wonder if Facebook will encounter a lot more friction uh, as it uh, as it as it endeavors to to follow this model both from competitors, but also from regulatory scrutiny, uh, which they, you know, seem to have quite the knack for attracting these days, uh, speaking of of its cryptocurrency efforts. Well, e- even consumers that, uh, you know, pose perhaps one of their biggest challenges because the lack of trust that exists there sure. uh, could, could certainly hurt them. But at the same time, you do see them moving towards increasingly moving in lots of different places towards a transactional platform. They've added buy buttons into Instagram and other elements like that to help uh, monetize that platform for major brands, as well as for the influencers that, that have created ecosystems there. 
And so they're leveraging the, the platform nature. I mean, a lot of this comes down to platform economics. When you've got individual entities, whether those be individuals or companies, whether it's podcasts or brands that need distribution, then you can extract rents by providing distribution to a large group of, of people. And, and so there are, you know, companies like Netflix that will always need distribution and they'll need to be on devices. They'll need to be in front of, of people to some extent. The same is true with, uh, you know, with YouTube or prime video or any of these other, uh, content channels they'll they need distribution and so they're forced to turn to platforms well completely agree with you in in terms of kind of general platform dynamics but i i also think they're in a somewhat unusual position that they have publicly committed and for the sake of argument let's say they truly have become you know true believers they've they've gotten religion uh, inside facebook and they have recognized that you know they need to certainly decrease their dependence on having such a trove of data about people that they can uh, demand these premium advertising rates, right? So certainly the lion's share of their revenue today, but over time, they may see more and more resistance to that uh, revenue stream. And so, you know, they, they might be, they might ordinarily look to diversify simply for the sake of growth. But but I think here it's, it's a bit more strategic uh, because they need to start thinking about increased pressure on that targeted advertising model, not just from the government, but also, you know, platforms, the kinds of things that, that Apple uh, is, is doing to try to throw off uh, the scent of, of some of these advertisers. Right. Well, in the, f- the feed is where that advertising exists and where that, uh, that advertising lives. And so Facebook over time, and that, that has accelerated recently is trying to develop these other places where transactions can take place and aren't going to rely exclusively on on advertising. So you provide a what is essentially a free platform and the the value exchange there is you get the free platform and we're going to in- insert advertisements into your feed. Well, mm-hmm. when when individuals stop relying on that feed as much, then those advertising rates should naturally go down. And so to to offset that, you start to look at other areas where you can build out uh, you know, transactions and not be re- reliant just on advertisements. And at the same time, they've looked to try to build advertisements in lots of other places. They moved it to Instagram. They looked at moving it to some of their other obviously you know whatsapp and some of their other messaging platforms but as as smaller uh, groups start to develop groups as small as individual interactions then you look to monetize that in in other ways so um, i think there's a couple of forces that are that are driving facebook to move in this direction and and if they are successful i would argue that this will be significantly more lucrative for them as a as an organization as a company than just providing advertisements into a a feed they have the potential to uh, if they can capture 
you know, what what could amount to very large markets, they could be very successful. If we start paying for everything in Libra, then that obviously <laughs> benefits them tremendously. Uh, sure. Uh, even though I think that uh, they could have done a much better job in terms of the rollout, uh, the announcement, in terms of positioning it more as a consortium, uh, which it is, and and less of you know kind of a Facebook's next creepy you know yeah. initiative. Um, but but I I think that's a good segue uh, to the. Uh, to the point you you raised earlier, Sean, about this uh, these hearings that we have uh, upcoming, and uh, thought you know since we've explored Facebook a little bit, maybe we could weigh in on what uh, what kinds of arguments, accusations, charges. Uh, what what will be the nature of the dynamic? You think uh, as some of these other big tech companies. Uh, make their way toward uh, toward Washington. I, I think a big message that they will try to convey in these in their testimony during the uh, congressional hearing is we need scale to combat fake news. Uh, mm. We need scale to, to combat misinformation. And, and I think that's a message that will re- resonate well on Capitol Hill. Uh, the, the argument that Instagram and Facebook as separate entities or, you know, grab any of uh, whatever pieces of Amazon you want to grab as separate entities. Maybe it's, you know, Amazon videos, prime video separate from uh, the retail outlet, separate from Whole Foods um, in order to combat some of the, the misinformation that could exist on these individual platforms. We benefit with scale. We benefit by being able to share information, by sharing resources. And so, um, you know, there's there's a cost that goes up significantly when these companies have to start tackling these problems individually, and they will arguably be less efficient. I think that's first and foremost um, a, a case that they'll try to make. That's interesting. I, I think that in general, they have really try to shy away from taking any kind of responsibility uh, for finding or ferreting out fake news, even though I think many of them have launched efforts uh, to, to do so uh, and understand the nature of the problem. And Facebook has certainly taken some share of responsibility, but I think they've also been cautious about trying to make any kind of promises uh, or any any contingencies that as long as they have A or B, they can uh, address the fake news problem. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I, I think that a lot of, uh, a lot of the focus uh, from the various companies is, is just going to be spent on education, you know, helping uh, regulators and, and representatives understand what the nature of their business is. And and I think the cases for breaking up or separating or putting walls uh, among divisions of these different uh, companies varies a lot depending on the company. So, so for Facebook, you know, um, there's an argument that, well, you know, Messenger and WhatsApp and Instagram, you know, they're, they're all kind of different flavors of a, of a 
certain level of functionality, right? So, so maybe there's a stronger case there for saying, you know, we should, and I've, you know, seen arguments to this, uh, to, to, to this point, uh, that we should, you know, that, 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 that the acquisition should be undone, you know, they should spin out WhatsApp and, and Instagram to create more competition and, and maybe even Messenger, you know, to create more competition in the messaging space. Uh, Google, on the other hand, you know, far more, uh, well, particularly Alphabet, you know, more of a conglomerate. And, you know, uh, I guess you could argue that search should be uh, dissociated from from Android, right? Or maybe that Google Play should be, you know, opened up, uh, you know, that different app stores should, should be allowed more equal footing on Android, which is kind of the nature, kind of the uh, approach that the European regulators have taken, whereas uh, with Apple, you know, it's more about per Elizabeth Warren's argument. You know, can you be both player and referee? You know, can you make the rules about how different music services get to play on your platform? When you yourself are competing with a with a music your own music platform, and I think the argument for that depends kind of on the business that you're you're looking at. But but I think Apple's counter argument, which is a pretty good one, is that you know at the end of the day we're a relatively small part of the market. You know we're an important part of the market, but if you know, it's not it's not as if Spotify doesn't have other avenues. If if they want to tell us to go pound sand, we're not paying your you know, your your revenue share uh fee. So so there's that. And then of course there's Amazon where I don't think you know there's gonna be a lot of concern about Amazon's dominance via AWS versus its uh, online retail business. I think most people strongly identify Amazon with the retail business. And the question becomes simply about that business. You know, what is what is the impact on local businesses, on brick and mortar retailers? Uh, and, uh, you know, that that is probably a tougher, uh, tougher argument for them to uh, counter. I'm sure they will come back with something about, well, you know, it's all about the customer and the consumer and we're just driving efficiency and, you know, we still have plenty of competition, look at Walmart, et cetera. But anyway, I don't, you know, <laughs> mean to uh, anticipate, you know, all the arguments that are com- going to come up, but but more to just provide examples of how the nature of the arguments are different, even though a lot of these companies often get lumped together. Yeah, well, and don't forget that, I mean, Apple has a pending antitrust case that's going to the Supreme Court, that the Supreme Court narrowly uh, decided to uh, to hear and to receive. So That's the App Store case, right? That's, yeah, yeah, that's that's, the App yeah, Store. App, Apple Inc. versus Pepper, which, uh, which was first filed back in 2011. So that's mm-hmm. finally made its way through all of the, the courts and, and will now be heard by the Supreme Court. So they all... F- you know, are either facing real antitrust uh, litigation or, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, risk there. And it, it's, of course, also interesting that Congress is picking this topic up and is, is paying so close attention to this topic. Because in the U.S., we have already two antitrust 
oversight agencies, the, mm-hmm. the FTC and the DOJ, um, both of which oversee antitrust issues and, and even have been known to take each other to court over who gets the right to to um, to follow up on antitrust issues given for a certain company or certain industry. And so um, you know, we, we are unique from other countries in that we have two oversight bodies. So there, you know, there's a lot already uh, going on there. And then you have Congress picking up the, the topic as well and, and showing keen interest uh, in this topic. I, I think it just speaks to the degree to which these companies have permeated virtually every aspect of our of our life, virtually every yeah. aspect of our life. I mean, think about previous antitrust actions, uh, IBM, AT&T, Microsoft, uh, Standard Oil. You know, these were companies that had dominance in one sector of the economy. Maybe they were important to consumers. Maybe they were more secondary, but they were a discrete good, you know, or a discrete product or a discrete service uh, where, you know, whereas there were many alternatives uh, for the other, you know, kinds of activities people needed to get done on a, on a regular basis. But these companies, I, you know, even though I just made the case about how different they are, the thing that uh, that causes us or, or that motivates us to lump them all together uh, is the influence that that they have on on our daily lives, coming at it from different angles, of course, but but all told, a, a lot of power over many different facets of. Uh, of, of, of many of our interactions, you know, communications, content, uh, banking, you know, et cetera, and on and on. Yeah. And I think a big question becomes, are these contestable markets? Can, mm-hmm. can you enter the market for, you know, for a communications platform or social networking or sharing photos? Are, are those con- contested markets? Um, and then, are the companies, I mean, ultimately, if they are contested markets, then antitrust will focus on, are these companies misusing their market power in certain ways? So even though they, they have market power, doesn't make them per se illegal, but are they uh, misusing that that market power? Right, um, right. And so not that they've excluded companies from entering those markets but that in certain ways they may still be using their their market force to influence it and and, you know that was the case that that spotify made in their complaint against apple to the european commission that that by charging 30 percent on in-app purchases they're abusing their market dominance and and market power and they're requiring them to uh companies like spotify to pass that those higher costs on to consumers so ultimately consumers are harmed and that's that's what uh, the DOJ and the FTC are looking at is are our customers in these markets harmed by the way these companies use their market power and and a very different angle but uh, there was that op-ed I guess in the times that I think we talked about a month or two ago uh, by one of the Facebook uh, key Facebook executives uh, or co-founders who said uh, 
that Facebook has ex- essentially gotten to the scale, particularly in terms of messaging, that uh, they can either crush or you know they can either crush a competitor or buy them if they become uh, too much of a threat. So so that is the inability to compete argument as applied uh, to to that business. Yeah, that yeah that was Chris Hughes, right? One of the one of the early co-founders of, of Facebook. So definitely taking that shot from inside. So we'll see what comes out of that uh, that hearing. You know, a lot of the hearings that we have seen on Capitol Hill that involve tech companies often uh, look like uh, a little bit of show and tell and a lot of, uh, to, to the point you made very early on, Ross, explaining very basic, te- how very basic technology works. You know, I, and- I, I'm sorry, but I, I think sometimes they reveal more about our, our representatives than, you know, than the subjects of, of the inquiries. Yeah, and they they use you know obviously they they use that to their advantage too. Sure. That that has become their go to uh, approach of well, I'll just make the question look really dumb so that I can, <laughs> can avoid revealing too much about you know, about how we view this market or what we want to do here. Um, that that said, you know there there are some very tech savvy. Uh, Congress people who who I'm sure will will provide uh, a, a good grilling so and a knowledgeable yeah. grilling yeah yeah we'll 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 see what uh, what comes of this so the the final article we were going to hit on and, and all of these articles really are tied together this these storylines are tied together uh, YouTube is back on Fire TV and Prime Video is back on Chromecast so it looks at like at least for now. Apple and uh, and uh, excuse me, Google and Amazon have made up, and they are simultaneously allowing each other's video platforms to sh- to show up on their their hardware. So again, it kind of goes back to our our first conversation about the need for distribution when you're a a content provider, as well as the uh, the desire to have the most compelling content on your hardware when you're a hardware platform and a hardware provider and so um, we see these these battles emerge they seem to resolve after some period of time and the, and the platforms end up back in distribution on these on these um, hardware platforms or these service platforms but it's something I think we'll continue to uh, to see yeah so I really like uh, talking about this after the antitrust uh, discussion because uh, I see it as very closely related to that as well yeah. the idea that Google has not shied away from trying to hurt competitors uh, such as Microsoft and Amazon by withholding YouTube access uh, which is essentially a, or historically, traditionally, for some time has been a monopoly in terms of a, a destination for consumer-generated video, uh, even though, you know, as we said earlier, more people are taking them on. And, and this is the other shoe dropping uh, from a, a story that we talked about a few months ago uh, when the two companies first agreed to allow YouTube on, I, I think it was the Echo Show or maybe Amazon's tablets or 
or something like that. Um, so on one hand, it shows what can happen when these companies get too territorial. Uh, on the other hand, it shows that despite everything, they still, you know, as, as you note, know, have a very strong incentive to to work together. And I think increasingly, actually, cross those ecosystem um, barriers, right? Um, the company that has been most surprising uh, in terms of its willingness to do this, uh, at least on in one direction, uh, has been Apple, right? Uh, probably would not have pegged Apple to do things like get its music service onto Amazon speakers or to get its TV service onto Roku uh, boxes or Samsung televisions, uh, but it's very much uh, tied into distribution, to your point. Uh, but it's also tied into the idea that, hey, this is just a, a different model, you know, and particularly if I'm Apple, I, you know, my hardware has been aimed at uh, affluent consumers willing to pay a premium, and I don't necessarily want to confine my music service to that. And, uh, you know, maybe it's also a way to answer uh, Spotify, right? Saying, hey, you know, we may have the home court advantage on on our hardware, but look, we're going to have to accept some of the same rules as you as we look at other app stores and other ecosystems. You know, that's that's just the, the nature of the game. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it's clearly been a, a shift in their strategy. I, I don't know that this would have happened a few years ago when you were still seeing r rapid growth in uh, people moving to those hardware areas, you know, moving off of whatever phone they were on, BlackBerry or something else, moving to the iPhone. As those ownership rates have stabilized and as the the percent of households and of individuals who own smartphones has has increased and stabilized, then you have to start to look for growth elsewhere. And so a Apple recognizes that growth could come if they can get the service in, in more places and have that, you know, that ubiquitous service available to them. So uh, I, I agree with you, Ross, that you wouldn't have seen that a few years ago and, and they've pushed that. And to your early point, it is interesting to see how these things are so tied to antitrust because, you know, what, what you are seeing there is companies restricting other companies from delivering services to, to platforms that they control. Mm -hmm. At the same time, those companies often offer a comparable alternative. Uh, it, it is always couched, though, in technical terms. So they often <laughs> say, you know, there's some technical reason why they couldn't uh, they couldn't show up. And yes. clearly, in, in this case, with YouTube back on Fire TV and Prime Video back on on Chromecast on the same day, those technical issues must it's, have mysteriously an, been resolved. It's an engineering breakthrough. That's right. They both yeah. were resolved at the same moment. Wow. Wow. Wonders will never cease. Yeah. So I think that's how they avoid antitrust concerns there is that mm. they, uh, you know, they argue that it's um, uh, some technical, some technical issue. But All right. Well, hooray, hooray for overcoming that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We'll see how those, how they answer that question next week. Mm. Well, uh, that probably is a good place to wrap it up. 
Thanks for joining us for another episode of Techspansive. Again, I'm Sean Dubrovac, and you can find me on uh, on all the social platforms at Sean Dubrovac. And I'm Ross Rubin. You can find me mostly on Twitter <laughs> at Ross Rubin. We encourage you to uh, share this podcast with your friends. Check out the website for show notes and tune in next week for another episode of Techspansive.